Auckland Church, but he, him and his wife and family now reside in Swansea in, in the UK. And so he's got a great word for us this morning. He smashed it in the first service. So just can we welcome up Pastor Graham Murray this morning as he comes to share. Which one is which? We're, on. We're all good. Good, good. good. I, I am the least tech person I know. Um, <clears throat> they wire me up wherever I go, and I just trust the guys who do great things up there. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> it's good to be with you. Um, uh, in the first service, I, I, I brought this message uh, about a battle for the mind. Um, there's, a, there's a comedy program, a comedy sort of highlighted sketch that uh, is very famous back in Britain. I don't know if, does anybody know Morecambe and Wise here? Well, if you don't, it doesn't really matter because they're just a comedy duo. And they, they, have this, they had this sketch where he's sitting at the piano and they've got Andre Previn, the world-famous conductor and, uh, and a big orchestra, and he's playing these, these odd notes. And the, the conductor comes to him and he says, uh, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm playing the piece. He said, all the notes are wrong. And he says... No, all the notes are right. They're just not in the right order. <laughs> My notes are right, but they're never in necessarily back-to-back services in the same order. And I do have no apologies for that. I am not that way inclined. I, I, I just think sometimes there are people in different services that need to be highlighted something different from a previous group of people and the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and uh, I'm quite happy to go with my notes until I find myself being nudged to emphasize something uh, that maybe I didn't in the first service. That's my way of getting out of uh, not being organized, okay? So <laughs> it's a spiritual excuse for a human failure, all right? But the battle for the mind, I'm going to take you to Isaiah first of all. Um, In chapter 26 and verse 3 and 4, but mainly verse 3, it says, uh, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, or who trusts in you. Verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I want you to try and remember the word rock. For now, just keep that in your mind. This portion of Isaiah is speaking about a prophetic day yet to come. It speaks about it in very human terms, about a city with strong walls. Uh, Israel, the Jew, Jewish nation, were constantly being battered from all points, north, south, east, and west. Um, the nation had split into two kingdoms. There was a, a terrible upheaval of Uh, power surges in different nations, and they were always being attacked or trying to defend themselves and uh, walking with God and then not walking with God. And here's a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah that says, one day the city will be strong, the walls will be strong, and the defenses will be strong, and we will have control of the gates, and we're going to open the gates and the righteous can come in. And that's the essence of this portion of his prophecy. Little, I think little did he even know that it is really a prophetic word for the one who would come, who is Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, who is building a kingdom not of bricks and mortar, but a kingdom of people who worship God. 
You and I, if you're saved this morning, you and I are part of the, of, of the brickwork, if you like, of the kingdom of God. We are being fashioned into what is uh, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. And uh, this prophetic word talks about this time with a Messiah coming. But the Jews, as one would expect, thought about him as a military king. But he was never going to be a military king. He was, he was a king of, that nobody had ever seen the likes of before. A king who would change not just the world, but change all of creation. There's a new creation. It talks about a new creation. So this morning, the battle that I was thinking about goes prim- on primarily in our mind. Your heart can be settled, this heart. You know anything about the heart? In the heart of a man? Oh, I, I didn't mention this in the first, so I'm going to do it this one because um, uh, I want to clarify something just so we, we know what we're talking about. We're talking about giving your heart to Jesus. Not, this, not this, this, this muscle here that pumps blood around your body. That's a pump. Okay, that's all it does. In a, and you hope it does it anyway, all right? So, and, it, and it pumps your body and you take your pulse. And I had a blip the other year. And I thought, oh, it's not pumping right. And, um, but that's a pump. Now, if I'd said to Linda when we first met and I fell in love with her, I love you with all my pump, <laughs> right? I don't think we'd have a marriage and, and three kids. I, I really don't. I don't think we would have got very far if I'd been that technical. But when we say, I love you with all my heart, you know it's the essence of who you are. Now to that heart and mind comes the Spirit of God to bring peace where chaos wants to reign. And the enemy wants to breed a chaotic thought pattern. Now I don't know how you're thinking this morning. Some of you will have anxious thoughts. Some of you are having desperate thoughts. Some of you are entertaining unnatural thoughts, and some of you are entertaining even sinful thoughts. Now, that's not, I said this morning, that's not a prophetic word. That's just statistics out of so many people. If you throw it out at them and so many people, you'll find someone, okay, that would fit what you say. So don't be condemned by that. I'm just saying that's general to society. We're struggling. Even if your name is written in the book of life and you are born again and you are spirit-filled, you can still struggle with life because we are in a process. We are not yet what we will be, but we are trusting the one who says he will get us there. And the Word of God says, keep trusting. Through the storm, through the difficulty, through the doubts, through the fears, whatever is thrown at you by an enemy or your own judging heart, trust that God is going to bring you to perfection. One day, you will see. Right now, we see through a shady glass. John writes in uh, chapter 1, famous words, we probably most of us would know them well and could probably just quote them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot overrule it. So darkness 
cannot overrule light. It is an impossibility, especially in the spiritual realm, but even so in the natural. You see, there is no such thing as true darkness. There is only absence of light. I learned that when I, before I went into the ministry, into Bible college, I was a professional photographer. I worked in the sciences and um, I did my studies at the Cardiff College of Art for that. And uh, that's not a boast, that's just a fact. Um, but I learned some of the, the things that stuck with me and they've become very handy to me uh, with regards to light and dark. There is no dark. There's only absence of light. You see, what I mean by that is, you say, well, of course it gets dark. It, the light goes, the sun goes down. There is an absence of light. There is a golden hour when the sun is at such a point that everything just glows golden. I love that moment. Get it better here than in the UK. When it goes down, it's like, where'd it go? <laughs> and then we go, is it coming back? But here, the, the, the sunsets are, are, are fantastic. But the absence of light brings the illusion, if you will, of darkness. And the enemy comes and says that he is, he is of the darkness. He has no light. And he, he hates the idea that you have light. But don't ever trade off, through doubts and fears and anxieties, the light that you have. Because he is the light of your salvation. He is the hope of tomorrow for you. So this battlefield of the mind... It is one of the bloodiest and brutalest of battlefields. And when we get engaged in it, we find ourselves having to turn to one we can totally trust. You have to trust that God knows what he is doing. That your days are not accidents. And if accidents happen, they're not his doing. Your days are in his hands. You are in good hands. Do you, um, you hear people say, trust me, I'm a professional. And um, that, that just creates a thought in my mind. I don't know, you may be a professional, but you may not be very good at it. And, and it, it's, not a, it's not something that, you, you know, I'm a professional and that covers everything. You, think, you might be a very bad, prof you're doing it professionally bad. So... <laughs> So I don't trust that statement in isolation. Trust me, I'm a professional. I want to know what your track record is. I want to know what you have produced. I want to know how good it is. And I want to know something that somebody else says about what you do before I engage putting my trust in you on your say-so. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are told to put our trust in him. There's enough evidence that God knows what he's doing. And he's very good at what he does. And God made everything. And when he finished, he said, it is good. And when he made us the pinnacle of his creative work, he said, it is very good. You are very good. You are of high quality. God made us very good. Sin has spoiled that. Salvation renews that. And we come back into the very good. And we are going from one degree of glory to another. You're getting better. You're doing all right. You'll get there. He will get you there. 
You don't get to heaven through your efforts. You get because he has saved you and he will get you there. All he's asking is trust in the Lord. So this trust will keep you in perfect peace. Now in the Hebrew, it comes through English as perfect peace. In the Hebrew, there's no word for perfect peace. It just doubles itself up. It says, he will keep you in peace, peace, which is very difficult for our minds to understand. But what it literally means is layers of peace on peace on peace on peace. It actually gets more intense the more you walk in the peace of God. It gets bigger and better and deeper and more profound. So the essence of the Hebrew is he who keeps his mind on God will keep him in peace, 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 peace all his life. So I want to encourage you to walk in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because your mind and my mind goes, I can't get around that. No, it passes, it surpasses your understanding, but it's still a truth. Rest in it. It's God's gift to you. Now mind control, the battle for the mind, is one of the devil's uh, working tactics. It's what he does and how he functions. Um, He can scatter seeds of fear and doubt into a person's mind. He will. And uh, he practiced that right at the beginning in the garden. Uh, Listen to these words from Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, God didn't say you can't eat of every tree. He said you can't eat of one. You can have all the rest. And you can see the twist on that, but it was in the mind. Suddenly it's in the mind and she starts to work on it and then we have the fall and so on and here we are, broken people. But we have a redeemer who has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Know your enemy is a liar. Know that he's a thief and wants to steal from you. He wants you to steal, he wants to steal from you the peace and therefore the joy of the Lord. And because the joy of the Lord is your strength, if he can take your peace, he will destroy your joy and that joy will make you, that lack of joy will make you weak. And that weakening process, if we listen to him, but if we keep our eyes on him and walk in the goodness of God and keep our eyes on Christ, those things are not going to invade you. You will have to fight. It is a battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. And he has already said that he has won. Calvary, the resurrection, the ascension, and the promised return of Jesus is a, is a universal statement, a global statement, a, a spiritual statement, as well as a human statement that the king came, the king lived, the king died, the king rose, the king ascended, the king's coming back. And if, if you walk with that, you have this joy of the Lord that is your strength. And the mind that wants to play up, can't pay those bills, don't know what to do with about the kids, Everything seems to be going wrong this year. All that kind of stuff can be brought together and trusted and entrusted to God. Doesn't mean it goes away like that, but you are peaceful. It is not a condemnation if you feel anxious. It's not a condemnation if you feel worried. It's not a condemnation if you feel upset or out of control for a few moments of your life. Or even if a period of time is not going in your favor. It's not a condemnation that you're living wrong. It's just the battle. 
And it's what we do with that. Let me read it again. You, God, will keep us, of course, in perfect peace. All who trust in him, because he's good at what he does. All those thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord. The Lord God is the eternal rock. Uh, Many years ago, when we did live in uh, West Auckland, we went out on holiday to uh, Hot Water Beach. And um, if you know the terrain, uh, there's a rock stands in the middle of the, the beach, really. And when the tide's out, it's on the beach. And when the tide's in, it's in the sea. It was a, it'd been a stormy few days before. The waves were really big. And our middle daughter loved bodyboarding. So uh, she was about 13 at the time. And uh, she went out bodyboarding and got into trouble with a rip. And uh, suddenly it became obvious that she was deeply in trouble. And she was very, getting very tired and uh, I did the father thing. I, right, off I go. And I, I went out. And I'm not a great I can swim, but I'm not a great swimmer. But my father thing kicked off, you know. I'm going to rescue her. <clears throat> so out I go, swim out, get a hold of her, calm her down. She's really tired. And then suddenly I feel the strength of this rip. And I think, my goodness, I can't swim against it either. So we were going further back, further down, further back, further down. It was just that surge all the time. And I was thinking, gosh, I'm tired now. And, and I'm saying to her, oh, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. Thinking, I don't know how to get out of this. The next part of this story is related back to me from Linda, because I was out in the sea. And uh, I, as I said in the first service, I forgive her with all my heart. I forgive her for this. <laughs> I really do, with all my heart. Because she said, oh, Graham, you should have seen. There was an off, off-duty uh, a lifeguard uh, on the beach and she said he leapt up like Baywatch <laughs> and she said you should have seen his muscles and his, his legs were like tree trunks and ripple. I said it's enough it's enough I get it he turned up I met him <laughs> he came to rescue me and my daughter yeah but he was like well, I said well that's okay I get it you know but, she, and then she went, but he went like this on the beach. Anyway, he got to us and he said, look, this is what we're going to do. He said, when the, when the pull comes, we're going to go with it. We're not going to fight against it. Keep your, keep your energy. And when it sag, sags back, when then, in that moment, kick. Well, I'll be with you. We'll kick, kick, kick. We'll get some distance. He said, we're going to lose a little bit. But every time we're going to get a bit more. I'm going to wait, I'm going to rest, and then we're going to a bit more. And he said, see that rock? That's where I'm going to get you. He said, you see this, the surge of the water going round the rock? On the other side, he said, it's really peaceful, and you'll be able to walk out. So he said, when I get you there, you'll ride that wave out of the way of harm. And he said, these words stuck with me forever. He said, I'm going to get you to the rock. The rock will save you. Now, Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. We know Jesus is the rock of our salvation. If you get to the rock, the rock can save you. Out of the tidal wave of sin and all the pains and aggravation of life, and it's just dragging you down, dragging you down, dragging you down. We have a Savior who came. And he rescued us, and he said, this is what you're going to do. Get to the rock. Thank God that 
Christ is the rock of our salvation. And if you're trying to beat the drag on your own, it may not turn out too well. When the battle rages, we're left with two options. When it seeks to overwhelm the mind, you've got two options. You give in to it, or you hand it over to the one who's higher than you. If you are troubled about something today, and it's out of seeming to get out of your control, I got good news for you. You can't do it. Why is that good news? Because that's the moment you'll give it to him. If you wake up to this, that's the moment you'll stop trying to fix it. By all means, put your energy into something. By all means, do your part. I'm not saying we just sit back and go, oh, Lord, just take everything. Take, take care of everything. I, don't, I won't get up this morning. You just pay the mortgage, you know, pay off the car, feed the kids. I'll just lie here doing nothing. God will go, no chance. We do our part. We do our bit. We do our best. But our best is never quite enough to solve the things that only God can solve. He will encourage you to do what you can do. He has given you gifts. He's given you talents. Use them. Use your mind. Use your talents. Use your gifts. Don't let them just shrivel up and die. But there's a point where there's a cutoff for that and that's where you can't get anything done and that belongs to God. And he says, no, give it to me. You give, if you give him that then, he goes, we're partners in this. Lamentations 3 says, this I recall to mind. You have to bring these things into your mind. I recall this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. If you bring this to mind, you have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So if you're troubled about something and it's too big for you, it probably is. Give it to God. Hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. Psalm 61. From the ends of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Get to the rock that's higher than you. Because the battle of your mind is never fixed by your mind. It's fixed by the mind and purposes and plans of God and the Savior and the blood of Christ. In Psalm 50, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. That's okay, that's our part. Now listen to his part. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. It's a marvelous partnership, this. You know, we're not just sheep, fodder, dragged around for the purposes of God. We're his family. And he loves us with an everlasting love. So if you're really struggling today, if your mind is torturing you or you're battling things, you can't work it out, I can't recommend more highly to give to God. Be prepared to do some stuff, do some thinking, do some praying, do some practicalities. 
you know, don't get lazy. But in so doing, give to God, the one you can trust, the last say. Trust his word, believe he is there for you. It's wisdom, and it's wisdom that does well. God won't bless foolishness, I found. You want, you want to be foolish? He's going to let, if you want to be foolish, you be foolish. It'll get you nowhere. He'll never bless foolishness. But he does respond instantly to true faith. And you know faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So this morning, in these last few moments, can I encourage you with all my heart to trust the one who paid the price, gave his all, was born as a man, born in flesh, lived before the view and the eye, all-searching eye of the Father, lived perfectly, broke no rules, broke, made no sin, went to the cross as a Lamb of God, perfect in every way, died, rose from the dead, ascended, and said He will be back. You say, well, it's over 2,000 years now, and where is He? That's a blip in God's judgment. It's a blip. 2,000 years, a blip. If a 1,000 years is as one day and one day is a 1,000 years with God, he's only been gone two days. In the bigger picture, he will be back. Be ready when he comes. Make sure your name is written in the book of life. And God bless you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and that word just really struck a chord with you. You know, Pastor Graham was so beautifully summarising the gospel message, the message of Jesus, of, of His mission here on earth, what He came to do. The Bible says that He came to earth in the form of a man, lived a perfect life, yet died a sinner's cross. Why? So that He could reconcile mankind to Himself. And maybe you're here and you would say that you're far from God. You know, the good news is and the truth is, is that God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. But it's the sin, the, the things that we do wrong that separate us from God. But the good news is, is that we can receive that free gift that Jesus is offering. He's offering us not only a relationship with Him here on earth, but eternal life when we, when we pass away. If we would... Uh, turn to Him, turn from the way that we were living, turn from our old life and, and, and turn towards Him and invite Him to come into our life. And I'm gonna pray a, a really simple prayer. Prayer is just simply having a conversation with God. And if that's you, if you say, yeah, Adrian, I'm, I'm, I'm far from God. Maybe you, maybe you once walked with Him. Maybe you, once you were in church, but for whatever reason, you've, you've walked away or drifted away. Or maybe you, this, you find yourself in church for the first time and this is all new to you. I want to invite you, if that's you, to pray this prayer along with me. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and, and bow their heads out of respect for this moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, you can, I'm going to pray it out loud, but you can pray it in your heart. Say these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank You that You died for me. I recognise that I have sinned and I'm in need of a Saviour. I ask that You come into my life now and You would make me new. I choose today to follow You. Would You be my Lord and would You be my Saviour? And while eyes are still closed and heads are still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I wanna, I wanna know who you are. I wanna pray a prayer for you, but I wanna know who I'm praying for. And 
And so I'm just going to ask you to, in a moment, I'm going to count to three and I want to ask you to pop your hand up nice and high. Once you put your hand up, I'll see your hand and I'll acknowledge it and you can put it back down and then I'm going to know who I'm praying for. So here we go. I'm going to count to three nice and brave. One, two, three. Hands going up now. Awesome. I see the hand in the front. You can, you can put it back down. I see those three hands on my left. Awesome. You can put them down. Thank you. Anybody else saying, Adrian, I prayed that prayer. Awesome. It's the hand on the right. Anybody else? Awesome at the back. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it back down. God, I just thank you for those that have prayed that prayer, which is a simple prayer, but a significant one, God. One where they invited you to come and have your way in their life, God, to be their Lord and Saviour. I pray that as they've prayed that prayer, God, you would reveal yourself to them, God. Would you show yourself to them? As they read the Bible, would it come alive to them, God? Would it begin to make sense? Would you show them who they are, God, and who you are? I ask your protection over them. Would you lead them? Would you guide them? Would you bring people around them that can encourage them in their journey of faith? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, can we